As we uh, turn to a time of prayer, I just invite you, as you have um, sung and given your heart to God, turned your heart towards Jesus, the King, um, just open up, um, let's see how to say it, just, just kind of take that thing that you brought in here, that thing on your heart that you need God to be with you in, uh, to see you in, to help you with. Uh, just in prayer right now, just kind of turn, turn that towards God, turn your heart towards God. And I know there's, there's so many things in this room, a lot of things in this room, but I'm just going to speak one that's on my heart. And it's a, a, a young man in our church named Tyler, Tyler Budd. And he last night went into what's called the crucible uh, as he's finishing up his training as a United States Marine. And his mom is, is here with us tonight, worshiping Jesus. And we've prayed to him throughout the night. I was on the 3 a.m. shift. And, um, and so um, that's, that's on my heart tonight that I turn towards God and um, I invite you to pray for Tyler as you go through the rest of the night into tomorrow. And just know that um, every mom, every dad, every son, every daughter in here who has something like that on their heart, that God knows you intimately. He knows what you're feeling. He knows what you're carrying. And so um, in prayer now, we come to you, God. We've sung our praises to you and you know, we believe um, what we've sung that you inhabit the praises of your people. And so as we pray right now, we're in your presence. <laughs> You're with us. You're with us in all things. And so we turn to you, uh, these people who are on our hearts, names and situations and heartbreak and expectation as we await for you, God, to do what you said you would do, which is save us, rescue us, get us through this and one day restore us to life. Jesus, you are our focus in these moments when we've been a people who've been unfocused, we've been distracted, we admit. But in this moment, we seek to, to look to you, our true king. This child who came to earth so long ago in Bethlehem is our Lord and our Savior. And so, Jesus, we look to you. Meet us here. Help us. Hold us. <laughs> teach us. Show us the way. Encourage us. Give us uh, insight into what we're supposed to do next. Give us power for our lives. Um, and most of all, God, we're going to do this risky thing tonight, which is to say no matter what, come what may, we will follow you, Jesus wherever you lead us. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I welcome you again to Providence. Uh, we have many that are worshiping with us online uh, in this moment. And you guys who are in the room, we're glad you're here. My name is Jacob. I'm one of the pastors. I want to tell you about a couple of things uh, before we get going on what we, what we really need to do. And that I uh, just want to let you know about Christmas Eve here at Providence. You'll see we've got a service on the 23rd and then several on the 24th. We would love for you to plan uh, to be with us for one of those services. And what will help us a bunch is to save your spot at that prov.church slash Christmas. It just helps us uh, prepare a great experience for everybody to know how many are coming. So uh, invite your friends and neighbors. Uh, we want you to know about that. And our Christmas offering, some of y'all know about, uh, is our biggest offering of the year. It's really exciting. And 100% of that offering that comes in, it's like way bigger than any offering we have. And we give it all away. And this year, uh, we're going to be... Um, 
uh, serving and working with a partnership in El Porvenir, which is in Nicaragua, for three different communities to have clean water. Uh, over the last several years, we've been in a certain area of Nicaragua and have brought them, like you guys have helped bring them to 60% of people in that area having clean water. And we hope to push up against 100% through the projects that we would do this year. And then a, a, the big, a huge part of our gift will go right here in town to the Mount Juliet Hope Center, which is bursting at the seams. We have a crazy vision here. You may have heard about it. We want to see everyone in Wilson County fed. <laughs> and, and the Mount Juliet Hope Center is the main uh, agency in uh, Mount Juliet that does that. They also work closely with us in just helping people with all kinds of needs uh, that may come up. Um, uh, bills that need to be paid and that kind of thing. And so they are embarking on a brand new building project. And they're doing that knowing that Providence Church is going to provide the seed uh, for that to happen and to happen next year. So um, once you, uh, what I ask every year is just that you would begin praying about what you might be able to give on Christmas Eve. So today I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to read to you a story, a passage of scripture that without it is, um, without it, we would be, everything we just did would, would have been totally different. So this is like, um, I don't know, it's not like the story, but without this story, we don't get the story. So it's, it's really super important. And um, when I read it, I'm going to ask you to do something that we don't normally do. It's something the church did a long time ago. It was one of those traditions that's sort of fallen by the, the wayside. And I understand, I understand why, uh, but I, I'm going to ask you to do it tonight. And that is when I begin to read from the book of Luke, which is called the Gospel of Luke. The word gospel just means good news. And so this book in the Bible is sort of thought of as the good news according to Luke. So it's the good news about Jesus and Luke wrote it. And so I'm going to ask you to, uh, if you're watching online, if you can do this, that would be awesome. And those of you in the room, when I read it, I'm going to ask you to stand up. Because what we're doing is like reading this story that changed the whole world. And within it is this, I don't know, it's just like this honor to a king that's going to be born and brought into the world. So we're going to do something that like our spiritual ancestors did for a long, long time in a moment. A guy like me probably wouldn't have looked like me. He would have been wearing like a robe and it would have been much more distinguished, like who's less distinguished than this. But this moment we're going to distinguish, okay? And I'm going to say to you, please stand for the reading of the gospel. If you're able, please stand for the reading of the gospel. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, he a descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings! You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he'll reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. 
Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she was said, who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word of God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. You don't get to choose all that you get. I'll say it again. You don't get to choose all that you get. You can nod if you want, or you can you think maybe, maybe he's wrong, but you don't get to choose all that you get in this life. So can you imagine uh, with me what Mary might have been thinking about on the day that an angel showed up to her? And we could say, yeah, I could try to imagine. Right? I'm not saying you know what Mary was thinking, but can you imagine what Mary might have been thinking about on this day when the angel showed up to her? I think she may have been thinking about Joseph. Right? She may have been thinking about Joseph. Joseph uh, is this older guy, her fiance. Uh, he's a carpenter, right? I don't know what that means. He's a carpenter. Um, and we find out by hearing Joseph's story, he's a really, really good guy. He's like the kind of guy that you would want your daughter to marry. Once you really find out about the heart of who Joseph is, like he's good. He's really good. Now, maybe Mary was thinking about Joseph. I mean, that's what I imagine Rachel's thinking about just like in the middle of the day, just sitting around thinking about me, right? I know that she is. And so it's possible that Mary, in the midst of her day, was, well, maybe she was thinking about something else. Maybe she was thinking about the wedding. Maybe she was in planning mode, right? Maybe she's thinking about the wedding. Maybe she was thinking about the little bit of tension she's feeling with mom about the reception. I'm making this up. But we're just wondering, you know, what, what was she thinking about? Maybe she was thinking about hanging out with her friends that afternoon. She's a teenage girl. That's what my daughters think about, you know? Maybe she was just thinking about hanging out with her buddies or maybe, um, I don't know. We don't know, uh, we don't know exactly what she was thinking about. She may have just been doing some chores. Whatever it was, she wasn't thinking that an angel would show up to her and say something to her that from that moment on, every moment in her life would be different. I'm sure of it. I'm sure that Mary was not thinking that something would happen that afternoon, that after that moment happened, every moment, every moment that she would face would be totally different because she encountered God in that moment. Like, I wonder if God had told her the day before, Mary, I'm coming to visit you tomorrow. Be thinking about what you would want. I'm still doing imaginary stuff here, but just think about like if God had said, I'm coming tomorrow, Mary, just be thinking about what you want. No way she would have said, how about a virgin pregnancy where I carry the son of God in my womb and then bring him into a world that will not accept him, but reject him? No way. She might've she might been open to some of what happened in that moment. She might've been open to hearing from God that she's favored. She might have been open to the fact that God would come visit her. I don't know that she was spoken to by God, but to be an unwed mother in a time where this would bring great shame and even punishment, I think she would have been like, I like some of what you're saying, God, but not all of it. But guess what? You don't get to choose all that you get. Really, like in this life, you don't get to choose all the things that happen. It doesn't work that way. 
I mean, my goodness, every year as I grow older, I learn you don't get to choose all that you get. There's an illusion of that sometimes, but you don't. I got a box on my front porch last week. It was a box I was expecting. I had ordered it, but I did not know what was in it. That was the nature of the, of the box. It was from a company called Stitch Fix. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it was my first box from Stitch Fix. And what Stitch Fix is, they send you clothes, um, but they pick out the clothes, okay? So I'm not great at picking out clothes, which may be evident because I wear like the same gray sweater every <laughs> week. So somebody told me about Stitch Fix. I was like, that sounds interesting. They just send you clothes. So I got my first box. They send you five items. So all you do is you just tell them a little bit about yourself. You know, I'm like a suburban dad. I have really cool silver hair, you know, stuff like that. And they figure out, uh, they figure out <laughs> what they're going to send you. So I open up the first item out of my Stitch Fix box was a gray pair of sweatpants. And I was like, that's what they thought of? That was their choice for me? Like, not what I was expecting. But I was like, I liked them. I liked them. I was like, I need a pair of comfy pants. So I, I, I was thinking this is going good. So the next thing I pull out was a, um, a pretty cool, like, uh, hooded shirt. I wore it to church last Sunday. You would have you liked it if you saw it. I was, I was thinking it was going good. The next thing that was in there were some shoes. And I would have never thought that they would send me shoes, you know? And so I got this pair of shoes. I have them on right now. You cannot see them because of the poinsettias ridiculous. Um, but they were like a comfortable sort of understated shoe, just like me. It was like these people, this uh, stylist who's picking this out knows me, this computerized stylist that sent this to me. But then it changed. The next shirt, my fourth item, was just like a really plain shirt. Like, why would they think I would just want like a super plain <laughs> shirt? <laughs> And then the last item was, um, I don't even know if it's a jacket or a shirt. I don't, I can't identify this item. It was this really thick material. I put it on. I felt like I was wearing that thing you put on when you're getting x-rays at the dentist. You know, it's like really <laughs> heavy. I was like, gosh, this feels terrible. I was like, why would they ever think that I would want this shirt? I, I did not like it at all. And so I'm thinking, I got three items I like, two that I don't. You know, there's the bag to send it back in. I'm trying to figure out how all this will work. And then I read through the bill and I realize that if I keep all five items, I will pay as much as if I send the two back. You, you following me? So Stitch Fix has it set up where there's this like huge bonus, huge discount if you will just keep all the stuff that they sent to you. And I still sent those two items back, okay? Because I'm not, I'm not wearing them. But what, I, what it made me think is like, yeah, you don't always get to choose all the stuff you get. And sometimes you get all this stuff and you're like, this is not me. This is not fit. This is not my style. This is not what I want to be wearing. And it's like, no, you got you to keep the whole box. I'm talking about life now. I talk to people every week. And I know pastors exaggerate, but I'm not exaggerating right now. I talk to people every week who just got some news that will, in that moment, change every moment that comes after. Like this happens all the time, that something happens or you hear some news or something's going on and you're like, oh my goodness, now that this has happened, every moment for the rest of my life is gonna be different. I was just living my normal life. I was just doing my thing. I was thinking about my plans. I was thinking about hanging out. And oh my goodness, now this, 
the, this monumental thing has happened. God has, has moved or just something has happened. Every week I talk to folks who say, I would not have drawn it up this way. This is not how I would pictured it. Well, you don't get to choose all that you get, but God is in all that you get. You don't get to choose all that you're getting. But here's what I can tell you from being a part of this story and reading this story over and over. What Mary teaches us is that God is in all of it. God's in all that you're getting. And that's what Mary had to say in her moment that changed all the moments. Now, Mary's reaction was, it says she was, remember, she, she was greatly troubled and she was afraid. The first response out of her mouth is, how? How? And Mary does something that makes her, in my opinion, ending up being the most venerated human being of all time. So Mary does something, and we're going to get to it, okay? Like Mary says something, she does something, you're like, whoa, it changes everything. But before we get there, I want to focus for a minute on what Mary does not do. Because I think that what Mary does not do may be as, as important as what she does do. Because what Mary does not do is she doesn't start making her own little Mary plan to try to gather in all of her expectations that have just changed and create a comfortable, safe path where she's sort of protected because this thing has just happened, which she knows has changed everything else. I'll I'll break this down because I know that was a lot. Often what we do is we can see that our life is changing, that God is doing something, our expectations are changing. And so what we do is we start really quickly making this plan where we think I can kind of hold it all together for a moment. We, We make the plan when we aren't really sure what God is up to in the end. So I was, uh, I told you about uh, our project in Nicaragua. I was in Nicaragua about 10 years ago. It was my second time there. And we had just begun our first time there. We just did some little projects here and there, but, but we were really feeling called to this area. And so on this, this uh, particular time, they were taking me to this community to talk about how you could make a comprehensive, like decade-long uh, project change in a community. And so we went into this little community called Los Cerritos, which just means little hills. And it's in it's this northern part of rural Nicaragua. There's nothing there. I'm riding in the back of a truck. They take me through this community. There's hundreds of people, these little houses with dirt floors all over the place and they take me to where the water source for the community is. It's just a little creek, but I had to walk a long way to get there and go down this steep embankment. And it go down to, this is where they're getting water to you know, bathe the children, uh, to, to prepare food, uh, to, um, to, to, to clean themselves, all this kind of stuff, uh, to drink. And it's stagnant, murky, dirty water that they're barely getting a 10-gallon bucket in without getting sediment in it, right? This is what the women are carrying back to the village. And in this place, children get things as simple as like as diarrhea and they die from it. In this place, young girls, especially women, never go to school. They never end up doing the things they do because they have to spend all day trying to get water. And so they took me down there and just to kind of show me, this is where we're getting water. And they filled up a bucket for me and I put it on my shoulder and I could not carry it up the embankment. I couldn't, it was too steep. I couldn't steady myself. And I, I, um, I just sat down, I sat the bucket on the ground. Amy was right there with me, remember Amy? And when I sat down, immediately in my mind, I remember this conversation that I had just had in the back of the truck when we were coming there. We're seeing all this stuff. I asked the people from the organization, I said, um, I said, so how much would it cost to have a well of clean water in this community? 
I couldn't believe there was this many people without clean water. And they kind of talked about it and they said, it'd be about $10,000. I'm sitting there on the ground and all I can think is about $10,000. And you may think this is crazy, but I'll just go for it. I felt God speak to me in that moment, in my spirit, like in my head, I felt God say to me, go back to the church and ask for $10,000. And I said, yes, yes, God. And I stood up and I got my bucket and had some people help me get the bucket up the hill. And by the time I got to the airport for us to go home, I had already started making a different plan than the one God asked me to do when he spoke to me. I had already started thinking about, oh, I'm a pastor guy. I'm always asking for money. You know, I'm the one who had this great mission trip experience. I go back. I talk about, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm all, you know, we we're trying to build a building. We we're a church that met in a school. And it seemed kind of, it, it seemed kind of, I know that you've, you've seen amazing things happen here, but we were just this church meeting in a school. $10,000 seemed like this crazy amount. And so as we are flying home, I start making a plan and I made this plan. I know how many people like came to church over the course of a weekend. And I, I figured up that if I asked everybody to spend what they would spend on lunch that day, if every person spent what they would spend on lunch that day, we would have $10,000. I'm flying home and I was like, Jacob, that is a good plan. That will work. And so that Sunday morning, we met at West Wilson Middle School and I was walking to the gym. We met in the gym. I was walking down this hallway. I had this long ramp. I was walking up it. I was feeling great. I was thinking about what I was gonna say that day, just kind of bebopping into worship. I had the sermon. I was gonna tell the Nicaragua story. And as clear as a bell, as I was walking down there, I felt God in my spirit say to me again, say, don't share your plan. And I said, it's a good plan. I was like, it'll work. It'll work. Everybody just spends what they spend. And I went in, we had worship, and I did not share that plan. I preached a feeble sermon, and at the end of it, we were having communion, and I just said, hey, guys, I was in Nicaragua. Y'all know that. It's, I, I can't even tell y'all about it, but I felt like God told me to come and ask today the church for $10,000. There can be a well in Los Cerritos. And I went and stood underneath this wildcat that's painted on the wall underneath the basketball goal. And less than three minutes later, this couple walked up to me and they put in my hand a check for $10,000. And I was like, this changed my ministry, okay? Because I said, I'm so glad I didn't share my plan because that dude would have given me eight bucks. And that $10,000 in less than three weeks, $70,000 had been given. And if you go to Los Cerritos today, there's not just a well. There's water flowing all over the place. Every house has water. I have some pictures of spigot in every front yard. And kids are going to school and girls aren't carrying water. And that, my friends, led to another community that you guys sponsored, and then another community that you guys sponsored. And there are people who are getting water. And it's our dream, like I said, to get that number to close to 100% for this area that is a forgotten place in the world, but filled with God's children. We get to be the light. We get to be the light. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. 
And I don't tell that story uh, like I would sound like a hero. What I'm telling you is I think how many times have I made an eight buck per plan person when God was wanting to do a miracle? How many times, God, have I made an $8 per person plan when you were wanting to work a miracle? You see, guys, you don't get to choose all that you get, but God is in all that you get. And, and he has more for you. He has better for you. He has an exponential kind of power for your dreams. And we get troubled Uh, We get afraid, like Mary, we say, how? And those responses are actually okay and super normal. They're gonna happen every time when when something big is happening in your life. When God's speaking to you, you're gonna be troubled. You're gonna be afraid. You're gonna ask how. But God is actually waiting for another response from us. It's what I'm gonna call the Mary response. I wanna read you some of those scriptures again. It says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. What's going on with my life? What's happening now? Whoa, whoa, everything's changing. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. This is actually God coming to you. You're going to, and this is get totally weird. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you're to call him Jesus. We've told this story a million times. Mary had never heard it. Okay. You're going to carry a son. And uh, God says, he's going to be great. He'll be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne. The the baby she's going to carry is going to be the king and he'll reign over Jacob's descendants forever and his kingdom will never end. And so Mary says, what all of us would be thinking, she says, how will this be since I am a virgin. And the angel answers her, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. So we wonder, right? We ask that question in our own life. How? How, God? How will this be? How am I going to get through this? And the same answer for Mary is the same answer for you. The Holy Spirit will come on you. Power from on high will overshadow you. The only way that any of this stuff will happen is an understanding, an openness to the Holy Spirit of God, power coming on you, um, the overshadowing of God's power. And I believe, you know, God's response to us is the same as Mary's over and over. If we would open our eyes, like, how are we going to make it, God? How can I handle this? How, what can I, you know, this thing you, you brought in your heart tonight, how's it going to go? How can I trust you? The Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of God will overshadow your life if we would open ourselves up to it. And I was tempted, I'm looking at my sermon now because I had had written, uh, typed, and I had to delete it because I was tempted to say right here, not like, this is what I pretended, I I actually typed. I said, not that you will actually like carry Jesus into the world, you know, like Mary, you know, we're talking about Mary carrying Jesus. So it's like, I get it, there's different. And then I deleted it and I was like, No, it's exactly that. What God is wanting you to do is to carry Jesus into the world. Carry him into a world that won't accept him. Carry him into a world that won't like him at all. Carry him into a world where his ways are different than than all the ways that you see. Carry him into a world where they'll spit on you because you did that. That actually what God, the story of Mary, the reason it's so monumental and important is because it's it's showing us how God is going to use us. So what do we say when we realize we don't get to choose all that we get? You know, what do we say? Well, here's what Mary said. She said, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. (laughs) There's another version. I like it. This Mary says, let it be what you said, God. Let it be what you said, God. 
That's why, that's why Mary changes everything. That response changes everything when you say, let it be what you said, God. She takes her troubled heart. She takes her fear. She takes her question how, and she sets her plan that she made for her life at the feet of God and says, I want what you say and all that comes with it, God. Man, I think another way of saying it, she says, I will take all I'm going to get rather than all I get to choose. And most of us set up our life where we think I'm gonna kind of choose everything I get. And if you think that you're gonna get in your life all that you choose, you are wrong. You don't get to choose everything that happens. And when we choose everything, what we get is a lesser life, a smaller life, a life that's not all that God wants for you. And so Mary, the reason she's the most venerated human of all being is, is, is some, all time is somehow in that moment she said, okay, God, let it be what you said, what you said. And I'm waiting, I'm hoping, I prayed today, God, would there be some time in my lifetime when a big bunch of people would say, let it be what you said, God. Let it be what you said. Like we need a Mary movement where people will hear what God is saying and saying, I'll take the whole box, <laughs> swallow hard and say, let it be what you said for my life. Let it be what you said for my kids. Let it be what you say for my church. Let it be what you say for my community. Let it be what you say, God, for my nation. Let it be what you say for the world. What, it's called, what that's called, God, is, is a radical kind of obedience where we say, I will go where God is wanting me to go. Did you know, did you know that you can live your whole life saying, let it be what I said, God? <laughs> it's heartbreaking, but you can live your whole life and say, let it be what I said, God. Let it be what I said, God. We make eight buck per person plans and we ask God to bless them. And God says, yeah, I'll bless them. But I had a dude with a check ready to write $10,000. If you will be obedient. So this is where my sermon ends. And, and I just wanted to, to, to move into a prayer time where, where you would bow your head and open up your heart. And however you need to say it tonight, if you want to, if God's calling you, that, that you would say, let it be what you said, God, for my life. So now let's take that thing that we carried in here, right? The thing on our heart. And with open hearts and open hands, we just say, okay, let it be what you said, God. Let it be what you said, God. Amen. If you're able, I want to invite you to stand. We're going to sing a song. We actually sang this song last week. Um, it was written by a guy named Charles Wesley. Yeah, y'all can go ahead and stand up. Um, and Charles Wesley wrote this in a moment where he was walking through the streets of London and he saw the plight of orphans and poor kids. And he began to pin the words to what becomes sort of the most famous Advent hymn. It's called, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. And we always think about it in Christmas time, like, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, you know, come this Christmas, come as a baby. But what Charles Wesley was writing about was like, Jesus, come back. <laughs> Your return, make things right set things right and, and use me, God, to be a part of that. So let's close uh, by singing this ancient song, this old song that invites Jesus to come into our world.